98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Steve Dunthorne. The headlines. The chief executive says she'll make urgent legal changes to deal with the Wuhan pneumonia outbreak. Carrie Lam also defends her decision to meet outgoing district councillors rather than newcomers. And pan-Democrats welcome cautious remarks from the new liaison office head. The chief executive, Carrie Lam, says the government is planning urgent legal changes to allow the health authorities to quarantine anyone suspected of having the mysterious respiratory condition that has left dozens of people sick in Wuhan. She said the government was fighting against the clock to prevent an outbreak of the illness here and would amend the Prevention and Control of Disease Ordinance this week. She added that the authorities would step up temperature checks on travellers at border control points. Mrs Lamb also played down criticism of her decision to host outgoing district councillors, including many members of the pro-establishment camp who lost their seats, while new councillors will meet the Chief Secretary, Matthew Chung. Mrs Lamb says it's established practice for the Chief Secretary to brief new members on their roles, and there was no comparison with her reception for councillors who were, as she put it, retiring. The target of the guests invited to the government house reception uh, were retirees. They are going to they were going to step down from a district council and myself and my principal officials thought it was a good idea for us to personally thank them for their support in the last four years. So uh, the two events should not be uh, compared um, or contrasted um, in the way that it has been done in some quarters. Meanwhile, Mrs Lam says she will meet the new head of the liaison office, Lo Hui Ning, later this week. Speaking ahead of the weekly Executive Council meeting, the Chief Executive says she hoped to work closely with Mr Lo to help Hong Kong return to normal. However, she refused to answer questions on why Beijing removed the former liaison office head, Wang Ximin, and whether the central government would change its policy towards Hong Kong. She said such questions were speculative. I have issued a press statement to welcome the appointment of Director um, uh, Law. Uh, we have scheduled to meet uh, later this week. I will meet him and uh, I'm sure that we could uh, work um, together in strict accordance with the implementation of one country, two systems and the basic law to ensure the continual stability uh, of Hong Kong, especially after the uh, seven months of social unrest uh, that have um, caused uh, society very major concern. The convener of the pro-democracy camp, Tanya Chan, has praised the cautious tone adopted by Mr Law in talking about the political crisis over the past seven months. The Civic Party lawmaker told RTHK that although Mr Law is a stranger to Hong Kong, she hopes his approach could herald a new start for relations with Beijing. At least you can see yesterday the way he used uh, the words he used or uh, the way he addressed uh, the problems. Uh, I think it's somehow it's like a new start, or at least he's tried to use a new way. But uh, all we expect is no interference into Hong Kong matters. I think this is a very basic stance for all legislators from uh, the democratic camp. Overseas, the South Korean president, Moon Jae-in, has said there is a desperate need to find practical ways to improve ties with North Korea. The BBC's Laura Becker reports from Seoul. This call from President Moon is not unexpected. He spent most of his presidency trying to improve ties with North Korea. His efforts appeared to be working. The two leaders met on three occasions and signed a number of agreements. But after negotiations between Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump broke down last February, Pyongyang appeared to sideline its relationship with Seoul. 
However, in his New Year address, President Moon urged North Korea to get back to the negotiating table. He repeated that he's always willing to meet Mr Kim at any time and said he would help facilitate the right conditions to allow the North Korean leader to visit the South. The Trump administration has denied Iran's foreign minister a visit a visa to visit the United Nations in New York later this week. The minister, Javad Zarif, has been expected to speak to the Security Council about the US assassination of one of Iran's most powerful leaders. The BBC's Peter Bowes reports. Javad Zarif's plans to attend the Security Council meeting were made before the United States killed Iran's most prominent military commander, Qasem Soleimani, last week. Since then, tensions between the two countries have been growing, with Iran threatening to retaliate for the US drone attack. By refusing to issue a visa, the US is denying Mr Zarif an opportunity publicly to criticise the Trump administration from a global stage over its actions in Baghdad. The U.S. government has denied that American troops will be pulled out of Iraq, as demanded by the country's parliament following the assassination of General Soleimani. The U.S. Defense Secretary, Mark Esper, said a draft letter leaked from the U.S. military, appearing to signal an imminent U.S. withdrawal, was inconsistent with the current American position. The BBC's Jeremy Bowen is in Baghdad. There's a bit of a mystery and confusion here tonight. Uh, first of all, a leaked letter from the Americans seemingly suggesting that they were planning to move their troops out, perhaps by helicopter. At the same time, a lot of unusual helicopter activity in the skies above me. The Americans say it was a draft and it's not happening. It does, though, suggest that there is some kind of talking going on. They've admitted that they're redeploying troops for protection reasons, maybe even taking some out of the country. The funeral procession honouring General Soleimani is reaching its final stage as his body is taken to his hometown of Kerman in southeastern Iran, where he will be buried in the coming hours. Earlier, his coffin was moved from Tehran to the Shia holy city of Qom. Iran's leaders have sworn to avenge his killing. The United Nations Secretary-General Antonio Guterres has warned that tensions in the world are at their highest level this century. He made no direct reference to General Soleimani's killing, but had this message for global leaders. Stop escalation. Exercise maximum restraint. Restart dialogue. Renew international cooperation. Let us not forget the terrible human suffering caused by war. As always, ordinary people pay the highest price. It is our common duty to avoid it. The former U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton has said he's willing to testify at President Trump's impeachment trial if called to do so by the Senate. The surprise decision was announced on Mr. Bolton's website as Democrats and Republicans continued to spar over whether or not witnesses should be allowed to give evidence at the trial. Here's the BBC's Anthony Zercher. Democrats have been anxious to hear what John Bolton has to say about the Trump administration's pressure on Ukraine to publicly announce investigations into Democrat Joe Biden and his family. They suspect Bolton who is said to have objected to the efforts, could have first-hand evidence proving their allegations that Mr. Trump abused his power for political gain. Bolton's announcement may prompt moderate Republicans in the Senate to join with Democrats in calling for witnesses to be permitted in the president's Senate trial. The House of Representatives impeached the president last month, but the chamber has yet to formally hand the proceedings over to the Senate. 
New sex crimes charges have been filed against the former Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein in Los Angeles on the same day that his high-profile rape trial got underway in New York. Prosecutors in California allege Mr Weinstein raped one woman and sexually assaulted another in 2013. The latest charges were announced by the L.A. County District Attorney, Jackie Lacey. We believe the evidence will show that the defendant used his power and influence to gain access to his victims and then committed violent crimes against them. Mr Weinstein pleaded not guilty to charges of rape and sexual assault in the New York case. The French culture minister has demanded that the state stop paying a special pension to an award-winning author who has for years boasted of having sex with children. No action was taken against Gabriel Matzneff, who's now 83, until the publication of a book by one of what he calls his conquests. The BBC's Mike Sanders has a story. Gabriel Matzneff is anything but a covert paedophile. An essay he wrote in the 1970s related his sexual exploits with children as young as 12 in the Philippines. Few spoke out until the publication this month of Consent. Its author, Vanessa Sprangora, tells of being groomed by Matzneff from the age of 13 and seduced at 14. He's denied wrongdoing but has been placed under formal investigation. Historically, French intellectuals have been complicit. Some have justified sex crimes against children as expression of individual freedom in the face of patriarchal oppression, ignoring the psychological damage. A study has found that severe childhood deprivation can result in the brains of adults being smaller. The study, published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, is the first to investigate the impact of childhood deprivation on the brain structures of young adults. The BBC's Warren Bull reports. The research was focused on 67 young Romanians who'd experienced childhood neglect in orphanages before being adopted in Britain. They were compared with 21 other young people who'd been adopted but had not suffered early life deprivation. The more deprived sample group had brains on average 9% smaller than the others. Statistical analysis showed that differences in size were associated with a lower IQ and greater prevalence of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The study also found that there were structural differences in three regions of the brain linked to functions including organisation, the integration of information and memory. Researchers in Britain say training and completing a first marathon can knock years off a person's vascular age, a measure of the health of the circulatory system. Our health report, uh, the BBC's health reporter Michelle Roberts has been looking at how the runners' training benefited their health. Their vascular age dropped by about four years, with their blood vessels becoming more youthfully elastic. Their blood pressure went down too, and by as much as can be achieved with medication. The researchers from Barts and University College London found that those who were the least fit previously appeared to benefit the most. Experts say the findings should encourage others to exercise, and you don't have to take on a marathon to reap benefits. Smaller amounts of aerobic exercise also make a difference. Markets a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,375, 148 points up on the previous close. Turnovers at $47 billion. Currency is the US dollar, trading at 108.48 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 11 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 23 cents. Sport now, here's Atom. We start with football and the English FA Cup, where Arsenal have made it through to the fourth round. Across the Lacazette, Pepe wants it back, sliding block, and it's in in the end for Reese Nelson, who scrambles the ball home from close range. Arsenal much, much better since the break, and they lead this cup tie by a goal to nil. 
That second-half goal from Reese Nelson gave Arsenal a 1-0 win over Leeds United. The former Premier League striker Chris Sutton was watching at the Emirates. He said the visitors only had themselves to blame for missing chances. Certainly a tale of two halves. Leeds by far the better team, the more urgent side in the first half, created the chances, simply didn't take them. And it was about, could Arsenal react after half-time? They sort of had to. I think there would have been a few harsh words in there. But Mikel Arteta said he'd take the cup seriously. He got the desired reaction after half-time. Different Arsenal in the second half, a better Arsenal in the second half. And they got the result which they wanted. Arsenal will play away at Bournemouth in the next round, while Manchester City and Liverpool face lower league oppositions. With more on the fourth round matchups, the BBC's Joe Parsons. Holders Manchester City will host Fulham. The Premier League leaders Liverpool will be away to either Bristol City or Shrewsbury. There are also away trips for Chelsea at Hull City and for Leicester City at Brentford. In terms of all Premier League ties, we've got Burnley against Norwich and then a couple of possible all Premier League matchups replays permitting. Watford or Tranmere will be at home to Wolves or Manchester United. Southampton, meanwhile, will host Middlesbrough or Tottenham. Cristiano Ronaldo has recorded his first Serie A hat-trick for Juventus in a 4-0 home win over Cagliari. Ronaldo's 56th career hat-trick extends his Serie A goal-scoring streak to five games in a row. Juve still trailed the leaders Inter on goal difference. Inter won 3-1 at Napoli, with Romelu Lukaku scoring twice. And there was no goal for Zlatan Ibrahimovic on his return to AC Milan. The Swedish striker came off the bench in their 0-0 draw at home to Sampdoria. Peter Laviolette has lost his job as head coach of the NHL's Nashville Predators despite taking them into the playoffs in each of the past five seasons. Nashville's fortunes took a big dip this season. They are second from bottom in the Central Division. Laviolette took Nashville to their first ever Stanley Cup final in 2017 when they lost to Pittsburgh. He's the sixth NHL coach to get fired this season. Japanese baseball star Shogo Akiyama is leaving his country to play for the Cincinnati Reds. The outfielder has agreed a 21 million US dollar deal to join the Reds over three years. Akiyama is a five-time All-Star with the Cebu Lions and has been the hit leader in his country in each of the past three seasons. And that's your look at sports. To end the news, the top stories are once again. The chief executive says she'll make urgent legal changes to deal with the Wuhan pneumonia outbreak. Carrie Lam also defends her decision to meet outgoing district councillors rather than newcomers. And pan-Democrats welcome cautious remarks from the new head of the liaison office. And that's the news from RTHK. Just gonna stand there and watch me burn Well, that's all right because I like just gonna stand there and hear me cry Well, that's alright Because I love the way you lie I love the way you lie I can't tell you what it really is I can only tell you what it feels like And right now it's a steel knife in my windpipe I can't breathe but I still fight Well, I can fight As long as the wrong feels right It's like I'm in flight High off a log, drunk from my hate It's like I'm huffing pain I love
Welcome to the 123 Show. I'm Sadia Usmani, and it's Tuesday, so I've got a foodie flavor to the show today. For part of the show, we're talking bread, and another part of the show, we're talking water. Just after 1.30, I talk water with my guest, Professor Peng 